Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. They demand my alter ego, but I won't go. Because we have a friend of the show. I don't know if he's the George Takai or the Artie Lang or the, the who he is, but Kevin wow. Gallagher from formerly from uh, Gracie Tampa South and not not formerly, but also now his own venture in Trinity. Is it Gracie Trinity? Is that the name of it? Gracie Trinity in Trinity, Florida. Yeah. But he's he's very much a, a, a kind of a, a traveler, a, an artist, a thinker. He's, uh, you know, you might find him bartending for you at the hub or at the castle you could find articles that he's written in creative loafing he does a ton of uh writing for various jujitsu blogs he's a he's a jujitsu black belt uh i've had the the good fortune of training with him but he's just a all-around interesting dude so thank you for coming back in today I appreciate that, man. This is some pretty lofty expectations. Compared I, I, like to, I like to, I like to, I like to make people sweat. I can't. I, can, <laughs> I feel like I got to bring it. Now. I can't make them cry, but I can make them sweat. Much like you would make me sweat, fucking do it, shrimping across the mats with my fat ass. I feel like I'm getting my payback now. So, so how many months in are you in Gracie Trinity? It's been uh, a good six, hasn't it, give or take? Oh yeah, man. I'm, I'm. I started up. It's been right about seven, I think. I think I started in June of 2021. And now here we are in January. And it looks like I haven't been to the facility in person, but it looks beautiful from the pictures I've seen online. Yeah, it's a smaller space. Uh, and I definitely am going to need more space eventually, but I'm trying to milk this space as long as I can. It is cheap. Well, it's funny because, you know, there's there's this kind of the best of times, the worst of times. You know, you look at a lot of pictures of like where Hickson used to train people way back in the pre UFC days. And it's like at a carpet factory with just some mats thrown down in the corner. (laughs) So, you know, how big a gym is or what, what it has is not indicative of, of what kind of education you're getting there. You know, and, and now I've always kind of known this from bartending. I mean, I've bartended in any aspect of bartending you can imagine from fine dining to dive bars. And at the end of the day, um, the only thing that really matters is the amount of money you're bringing in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did I say I'm talking to up. Kevin Gallagher? Did I even say who I was I talking to? I think he might. I don't, well, I'll I don't say know. it again. I think by this point, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's very distinctive, <laughs> right. too. Yeah. If you lived in Tampa, you've heard and you, didn't that have, voice. you didn't have to connect too many dots yeah. to realize jiu-jitsu, uh, jiu-jitsu black belt bartended at the hub. It kind of uh, kind of all fell on the line. Well, you definitely hold court. I mean, I, I it was something that I appreciated very quickly training with you is like, You'd be teaching me and saying hi and busting balls to everybody as they're walking by. You you have the ability to kind of let people experience you all at the same time. And uh so I have uh I have built that quality after a while. A lot of it is just my uh, my absolute ADD, though. I, I I can't help myself. I'm very very in tune, and all of a sudden you'll see something shining in the corner, and you lose me for a few minutes. You you have to kind of learn to bring me back. But uh, right now, um. So uh, we were talking a little bit. I know you wrote one, if not two, uh, articles. And you did one on the the hub, didn't you? I did. I wrote. Oh, it, it was about the hub in general, but it was based mostly on a particular customer, uh, Texas Tim. Yeah. Uh, I was just thought it was a pretty good piece. It kind of tied together some thoughts I have about social you know, experiments and social watching people watching. Yeah. I guess and. Uh, 
you know, Tim is a guy who's been going to the the, the hub for 30 years. You know, he's got a job as a glass cutter. Spends every dime he has at the hub, goes back home, you know, just a party guy. And I thought it was a good piece of Americana. So I thought it was fun. Well, piece. you know, it's very interesting because it didn't really occur to me until just now. But pretty much every kind of role that you play, in many ways, you are a confidant or a therapist or a... <laughs> You know, you know, when you're training with somebody, especially during one on ones, you're, you're, you're not just doing the moves. You're talking about how their day went, how their life's going, what's stressing them out, what's good in their life. And then bartending much the same way. You know, I know you've also done security for different places <laughs> and you're having to deal with the people at their worst. And so, you know, it, it seems I, it didn't really click with me till just now, but I think writing is such a perfect companion to what you do because you are very much an observer of the human condition in, in various forms. You know, in um, being an empath, I guess you can say, is a, is, a, is a blessing and a curse at times because it is also a bit exhausting. Sometimes. Oh, for sure. You need to turn it off. And I, it's, it's it, the hard part of it is, is I wish I could. Yeah. It's, it's difficult for me. I, That's I where weed that. and other things come yeah. in. Let <laughs> me <laughs> say that out loud. Yeah, I just, Josh, I've, Josh, heard, I've heard. I've heard. I've heard. Yeah. I've heard. I've heard. Awesome. People that know me would know uh, better than that. So. <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, one of the things I've always prided myself on as a bar trainer and as a coach is being able to read people and, and recognize them for who they are and be able to get to the juxtaposition of the problem of the situation in a, in a matter of fact kind of way. And some people need to hear things one way. Some people need to hear things another way. Yeah. That's something that I've always prided myself on. How do you, you know, because a lot of your writing that you were doing prior to the creative loafing thing, I mean, you're writing pretty regularly for various publications in the jujitsu world, right? I mean, I, I was an editor for a site for a little while. I, I, mean, I got to read, read and edit. And, and so keeping long. that interesting, you know, you've got to get creative. Not that it isn't interesting, <laughs> but I mean, the people who are jujitsu nerds, I mean, you could literally talk about the pros and cons of polymer mats or whatever, <laughs> and they would read it. But to a broader reading audience, you've got to come up with new angles. And there's only so many ways you can talk about, you know, your first six months as a white belt or <laughs> how to deal with the spaz on the mats or, you know, you what know, it, we, when I was editing for that article, there was a certain degree of the, the, the usual suspects in terms of content. You know, you always had to talk about the, how to tie your belt. What, what are you, what should you expect? Like five greatest grapplers of all time and all these other things that come in line. But um, what I always like to pride myself on is the literary quality of some of the, mundane articles i would write i mean i i believe we live in a society where unfortunately the written word is almost a dying art form and i think no one reads anymore and so i try to fool these you know for lack of a better term i don't mean sound demeaning or anything like that these these meatheads yeah you know that my, my jujitsu kids kids right kids slash meatheads so slash whatever you know, you yeah. them to click on the clickbait and then maybe during the process of reading that they get engaged in the written the written word and they become you know and, and excited about it. I love that. I love that technique and that philosophy. That's that's uh, uh, a strategy that I employ as an attorney in depositions. You know, you don't lead off with the tough questions. You yeah. kind of lull them into opening up and letting. I mean, much like jujitsu, letting their guard yes. down, yes. and then you strike. Yeah, you know, you got to you got to break down their preconceived notions and then make them go, "Oh wait, like I appreciate it." Something, something about the written word written language you know writing in general in a, in a literary manner particularly prose that um i think just 
has lost its hold. It's a beautiful thing. Well, between physical books generally going away, physical newspapers, physical publications generally going away. So pretty much every all the content that most people are reading is on a tablet is on a phone is on a computer the attention span is dwindling you know people don't have hours to devote to things or at least they've set their lives up so that they don't have hours to devote to things so there's the attention span and then you look at the way that we're using language and i'm just as guilty of this you know it's not i love you it's i heart the letter you and you know like grammar and spelling and punctuation and all those things are going away don't, as well. Don't forget the the the, the big uh, elephant in the room too, the audiobook. I just there's just something about listening to a book on tape that's just not the same thing. And I, I don't judge people for listening to audiobooks. Just do what you have to do, but it's just different than actually reading the words and having that comprehension and feeling it without someone explaining the words to you. You make your own pictures, you draw your own conclusions on that inside in the voice inside your head. Is telling you the story. I, you know, I've thought about this a lot because I have friends and they'll they'll give me the lists of books that they've read and I go through it with them and I'm like, how do you read that many books? And at some point, it comes out they're audio books and it's like, okay, yeah, exactly. So it's hard, and I feel like, am I not woke enough in the world of like, like, is that reading? Is that not reading? Well, I, I mean, you're getting information. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know how your brain processes reading a word and working out the context of the word versus just hearing it. I don't know if there's a difference or. Well, you know, the the big thing too is like, what are they reading or what are they listening to in audiobooks? And just, I don't judge people for what they read. Believe me, if you're reading, you're reading good for you. But the majority of our current society, there's, there's a certain stigma about reading literature. Everyone's reading some kind of self-help book. Everyone's yeah. reading some kind of how, how to how to crack crypto or how to get into the I don't even know what the, the new things are anymore. The, the little pictures they buy. NFTs. The NFTs. Yeah. Like, yeah. And everyone's reading some way to kind of figure out a way to cheat the system or, or work towards a better life. And like, that's great. You're kind of learning a skill, I guess. But what about critical thinking? Yeah. You know, if everyone thought, oh, I don't have time to read literature. Well, you should have time to read literature. Yeah. You should have time to read a great work of literature. Why? Because that artist poured his heart and soul into that piece of paper to make you think outside the box and see the reasons why you're really reading those self-help books. You know, well, just, and, and, you know, the, the, those, that literature and, and the, these great works of art that are not as, as ubiquitous in society, I think you're starting to see the impact on society in how they vote and how they, who they listen to and who they, you know how they I mean, or, or how they're manipulated yeah and i and i don't mean it it's i don't i never like to make myself sound condescending i really don't because i'm not a very bright person i i am you know what i mean but i'm just i, I don't ever consider myself i mean i'm primarily self-taught i might not have a an associate's degree from hcc and you know, i went to jesuit so i kind of put that feather in yeah, my hat yeah. i always tip my my little yeah. pinky yeah, up fuck off i went to yeah fuck off i went to jesuit but <laughs> but i mean so many people are missing out on the big picture because they're so focused on following whatever little menial desires are leading them. And that's great. Like, believe me, I spent a long time not chasing that materialistic carrot. And I realized, oh, shit, like, I need to do that because growing old poor sucks. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. It's nice to yeah. make your car payment and have but insurance. And exactly. Stuff, yeah. But you also have to. Look at the big picture, man. You always you also have to enjoy other acts because if not, 
if you don't learn from the mistakes of the past, you're you're what's the what's the I can't think of, but you're constantly uh, you're, repeating them. You're right? constantly repeating yeah. the same mistakes. You're stuck in the same rut. Well, then the other thing is, you know, why? What's the, it, it, the point of being here is not to just fucking punch a clock and to you know buy right. stuff and right. fucking whatever. Like there should be some sort of point, and you know, to the extent you can kind of do something different or see something yeah. different or I, I it's funny because i think about these things sometimes too about like how i wish other people would kind of think outside the box and the more and more i become i don't want to say enlightened again because i don't mean that to sound as philosophical and as high high you know high push myself as high as it could be but the more i come in, enlightened the more i wish that sometimes i could just take the blue pill yeah uh, <laughs> and i feel like there's such a and it's not because I don't want to know, you know, the the wizard or the you know the the wizard of Oz behind the curtain. It's it's because I recognize that that wizard is always going to be there in some form or another. There's always going to be people that are pulling the strings because they're manipulative people. There's always going to be people that are prone to be manipulated by those people, and then there's the people that see what's going on. And the more you start to see the lines that connect anything, the more you start to realize that it doesn't, none of that really matters. Mm -hmm. It really matters. Why are we arguing over stupid things? Why are we at each other's throats trying to figure out how to correct, you know, the powers that be the Illuminati and how we are, you know, the people that are sheep to convince them what to do. And the reality of it is, is like that, that play is always going to be there because it's human nature. We're humans, we're animals. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, it's funny because the whole blue pill, red pill has become such a, a trope recently because everybody, like, everybody thinks that they know who Oz is. It's yeah. Right. Like, well, everybody's woke now. Yeah. But they disagree about, but who's, they, yeah, they, yeah. They disagree about I'm woke you. because yeah, I know that they're planting chips in, you know, exactly. I'm woke because I know that this is medicine that helps you and you're an idiot for taking horse the, the, you know, so everybody thinks they know who Oz is, but exactly my, you know, my kind of attack is a, is, is probably born of laziness, but it's the whole Occam's razor, which is the simplest answer is most often the true answer. And so unfortunately, <laughs> well, that's, well, so that's one of the things. And then the other thing was, is, you know, we're, I'm 46, you're 45. We're about the same age. And I, Remember very clearly the uh, O.J. Simpson trial and all of the stuff that they tried to argue that was done to frame O.J. Simpson and this thing. And it's like, no one is that organized. No one's got their shit that well together. <laughs> no. Our government doesn't. The police department doesn't. Right. The the CDC doesn't. The Whomever it is. Like, there's not really super. There's maybe. I mean, there's secrets. I, I know there's, you know, who, who we're bombing or why we're killing, you know, those kinds of things. But. Like, I just, I, I just don't, I just don't think that there's the ability to have some grand plan executed that we're all just clueless to. You know, and to, it's, it's horrible thing for me to say, because I really wish I didn't think this way. And I, I, maybe it's a, I don't know, but I, I, I think about the idea of the, the so quote unquote powers of beer, the wizard behind the curtain and all these other things like that. And I think to myself that like, you know, sometimes I feel safe knowing that there are people out there that may be a little bit evil, maybe manipulating the the data, maybe mm -hmm. doing some things that are kind of like outside of cool, you know, yeah. but, but you know, they're, they're doing them for a purpose. They're doing it for the grand scheme because, 
you know, it's unfortunate that 90% of the population in the world, they just don't have that ability to think critically. We're humans. Yeah. There's followers and there's going to be leaders and that's the way it's always going to be. Right. It's, it's the horn. It's the, the animalistics part of the side. So like, you know, when you think about things like the CIA, you think about things about like our nationalistic pride doing dark things overseas, you know? Yeah. I don't generally like it. And I wish we lived in a world where everything could be nice and cool and happy, but you know, I live in a pretty cool country sometimes. Well, it's, it's, yeah, you know, and I, you know, I go back to, and, and again, someone who knows more about this than I do will jump all over my ass, but, you know, we vi- villainized Saddam Hussein for what he was doing to the people over there. And then we go over there and remove him, and it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you've kind of got to be, you've kind of got to be like a warlord to be able to yeah, keep I all know. these people in check. And, you know, or, you know, and, and again, I, I don't ever want to be this guy because I don't, at the end of the day, like, I, we live in America. And, like, to be honest with you, like, I want America to be a strong, fruitful country mm-hmm. because, like, I we live here. Right. You know? like, right. I, I don't mind so much that maybe we are doing some things overseas that shouldn't be that great. Yeah, is it awesome? No, not really. But, hey, you know what? We're prospering. Yeah, show me an option B. That, yeah, show that me an option. And, yeah. Show me an option B. But, you know, what I think about sometimes when I think about, like, the hypocrisy of us Americans, us criticizing China or us criticizing Russia for – for human rights violations, I think about like what our country was based upon. It's oh, like, sure. And, yeah. And it's in the things that we do covertly that we try to pretend don't happen. It's, yeah. 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 I mean, um, and that's, and then, then, sorry, then we go back to the game. We go back to, well, we're doing this and this is the bad stuff. So we got to hate him. And oh, no, 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 they got to hate us. And that's where the conflict starts to come. So uh, let me see if I can go on a quick tangent and and then rope it back in so i i got in the past couple years really into uh the movie moneyball the book moneyball the sabermetrics philosophy that billy 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 button or billy butt or something yeah but and then also um joseph campbell do you know joseph campbell you're into that stuff so so joseph campbell wrote about the hero's journey and and basically there's only five stories that have ever been told Mm -hmm. the hero's journey a love like no matter what book, whether it's Romeo right. and Juliet, Grapes of Wrath, whatever, the, the torture, you can, the torture, you can distill it down. There's right. five arcs, right? And um, I think uh, you know, in business, there's probably only really like three or four actual business models. You know, you've got your goods, you've got your services, you've got a couple other things. But if you you know, there is the Malcolm Gladwell book Outliers, and they took the hierarchy of McDonald's and the hierarchy of the biggest drug syndicate in like New York city and they laid them over top of each other. And the infrastructure was exactly the same. It th- <laughs> business just kind right. of over right. time falls into place. Uh, so where were we, t- what were we just talking about? What were we just talking about? What were we just talking about? Oh, uh, the government. Um, I think motivations, you're only going to find two or three motivations for why anything happens in politics right. or in the world theater. And, Number one with a bullet is money. Where's the, you know, how's the money going to be made here? Whether it's oil, whether it's privatized prisons, whether it's whatever the case may be, you know, I, I taught last fall, I taught at University of Tampa, I taught criminal procedure and criminal law, and I made all the students watch the documentary 13th, which was talking about how they ended slavery, but then they made effectively the, you know, incarcerating minorities was the way they got out of slavery as they just turned it into oh, we're going to make everything that blacks and Latinos do illegal and we're going to put them in prison and we're going to make money off of them in prison. Yeah, exactly. And like, 
it was something crazy like u.s makes up like two percent of the world's population and like 25 percent of yeah it's insane and then of that like 80 percent are african-american yeah yeah yeah. and it's like it's insane it's like but there's no institutional racism in this country oh for sure of course not but again that's money motivating that and bias and all these other things so but getting back to the point we're talking about about big brother and all this other stuff is there's a lot of really smart people who are really fucking greedy and are gonna do crazy shit to make money whether well, it's and it's you know sway elections with social media or whatever the case may be they're and, gonna and i hate to say it but sometimes maybe rightly so you know if you look at a guy like charles vanderbilt you know yeah. I mean? you know he comes to this country as a scottish uh, immigrant you know and you know did some shitty stuff man <laughs> yeah know, beat the hell out of some people did some strong arm stuff but he built basically what we consider to be our modern railroad system, which at the time was yeah. the beginning of everything. You sure. Know, the beginning of everything we had in transit shipping, the whole thing. Um, so when he gets to the point to where he is now, you know, the richest man on the planet, you know, why wouldn't he be able to now manipulate the masses of those that will never in a million years have the gumption or maybe the luck to be able to do that? Right. And to the reality of it is, is like, this is a great analogy that someone told me one time. It's the it's the analogy about three beers. You ever heard this one before? Keep going on. It's a good one. So there's a so you think about your workers, right? You, you have the people that has and have nots. Obviously, there's always going to be that, no matter what you do. We can break this down as much as you want. There's always going to be the haves and the have nots. Well, the haves look at the have nots and they need them for labor. Mm-hmm. Right? We look at someone that's a have not, and you say to yourself, "Okay, there's Joe. Joe's a good worker, man. Joe's been, but he's a company guy, been there for all for forever." Joe needs three beers. Joe gets off work. He busts his ass. You know, eh, he should be going home and doing more to better his life, but he ain't. It is what it is. As long as Joe gets his three beers, he's a happy dude. All right. Now, you can't give Joe 12 beers because he don't come to work the next day. All right. And you can't give Joe one beer because then he's going to then he's start a riot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Then he's going to come after your pitchforks. Right. So you figure out a way to give Joe his three beers, keep him happy, keep him going. And then we move on with our lives and everything else prospers. The the wheel continues to turn. Mm. And I always thought that is such a great analogy when we talk about people. People always like to vilify the rich. And I get it. Yes. We are at a huge, huge, huge economic inequality in this country. It's ridiculous how bad it is. It's fucking nuts. However, there's still a point when we have to recognize that there's always going to be, no matter what we do, even in communism. Say we go to a communist nation. That's great. Human nature is always going to figure out a way to manipulate that. To where mm-hmm. it's always going to be people that are in charge, that are doing well. You're in a communist nation, right? You think that uh, Stalin was 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 eating fucking potatoes? You know, potato? and, yeah, no, yeah. he was like, yeah, the, the, the best chefs in the in, in in the world cooking for him and yeah. bringing him food and living living in in uh, you know on top of the, the the world. Why? Why shouldn't he? He's looking after millions and millions of people because of his own gumption and intuition, right? right. Whatever. Yeah, I have this conversation. I've been having a lot recently because uh, as this office grows, you know, one of the conversations we've been having is about what we pay our people and about providing health insurance. And, you know, the dialogue always starts well, with what what do we have to do? And it's like, well, there's what you have to do. And then there's what you should do. Right. And I think a lot of businesses stop at the what do I have to do and don't think about what should I be doing? And so, you know, that's something that I, I think about a lot and try and operate not on what I have to do, but what I should do. But you can also go too far and get yourself out of business. So you, you've got to walk a middle road. But um, as far as pay goes, I've had this conversation a lot about if people were paid enough 
to cover all their bills, the system may not work, right. you know, because, you know, wanting more or having to having to work to cover your stuff kind of is how things are kept running. And I'm not arguing for underpaying people. I just the point that I'm more making is I think there's a much greater logic to well, there's that why people are paid what they're paid and people not being paid enough. I think there's a motivation there. There's that other uh, than not enough money to go around. There's that great. I, I no way I'm going to remember his name, but there's that great uh, uh, conservative uh, economist or, or uh, capitalist economist that pretty much invented the Reaganomics type mm-hmm. system. I forget his name. He was Reagan's uh, Reagan's director of treasury. I think it was our, uh, not Kissinger. No, no, nah, it wasn't Kissinger. Yeah. That was anyway. I'll never figure it out. Yeah. His goal when he talks about why capitalism is what it is, is because your desire for a better life is the motor that keeps the system turning. If you are constantly striving for betterment, then that strive is what keeps yeah, if everybody's everything f- turning. The, and I don't mean this in a defamatory way, but fat and happy just because that's the phrase. Right. Then, you know. Well, and then, but the other side of that is the problem we're in now is where now you have it's even more that the whole thing's fucking fucked now because now we're not only are we to a point to where the rich continually to get rich without trying to kick back they've gotten to the point now where they can convince the masses that they are fine even though they're not and have them fighting because they prey on their they prey on their you know bias and their prejudice and their other things or or their fear you know you've got you've got mexicans coming up through the south you got to stop them right so vote for me yeah right and let me pass all this fucking tax stuff that you don't give a shit about. But yeah. we'll 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 send some troops down there, and yeah, you, know, you know it's 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 the haves piggybacking on the have-nots to the kind more, of have their. The more I start to recognize life, and the older I get in life, the more I start to recognize that maybe for 15, 20 years of my life, I've wasted so much time and energy trying to fight City Hall in a metaphorical yeah. kind of way. You know, fight the man, fight yeah. the system. Yeah, we're going to beat this. And the reality of it is, just realize that, like, why am I wasting all the time? Because I'll tell you what, well, Donald Trump was his office. Man, Donald Trump sucked. I don't like yeah. that guy. He's a fucking piece of shit. I yeah. don't like what he's taking the country. But you know what? My life in general wasn't impacted. Didn't really change. Yeah. Much. You know, and, and I would really 100% argue that across the board, if you look at your core happiness, rich, poor, you know, employed, unemployed, COVID, whatever. Your core happiness doesn't really change much. You don't, we make ourselves believe we need all of these great things to be happy. Don't get me wrong. I got money now. I'm doing pretty well. And I, having money is always cooler than not having money. Right, right. But what are we looking for for fulfillment? And does that change because Joe Biden's in office or Donald Trump's in office? And I don't think it does. So I, 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 I'm very familiar with, you know, the, the the level of happiness once you're above a poverty line doesn't go up or down that much. I, I know that philosophy. The thing that the thing that I have trouble with is I'm saying that as a white male. Yes, that's and that's the other side. And the so, side. yeah, okay, yeah, I'm not getting shot, getting pulled over for running a stop sign, but other people. Now, I'm not saying that Trump was responsible for African Americans getting shot in strange situations, but. There may be other people outside of my life experience that were impacted differently, more severely than I am. So I wasn't impacted. Whether or not they were, I, I I just couldn't say. But my my point to that is this: is you know, 
yes, obviously, you know, there is issues where, you know, poverty sucks and people are manipulated and people are taken advantage of and people are actually endangered because of the color of their skin. Unforeseen circumstances, we could, we could go down that rabbit hole for a long time, you know, but um, what I say to that is, is look at every impoverished nation. I mean, poverty's bad in America, but it ain't poverty. You know, no, like, like a third South world country, Africa, you know, or, or yeah, South yeah, Africa, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? But if you look at these people that are in severe poverty, that maybe don't even recognize that there's an opportunity for them to improve their lives, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Do you just sit around and pout and cry and shake your fist at the air? Some people do. But there are some people that accept the fact that this is life. Mm-hmm. Why am I concerning myself with that? I have my family. I have my health. This is literally the plot. The plot of the gods must be crazy. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's, well, it's a very, it's yeah. a very, very valid point, though. Yeah. It's the point, and and it's a, it's very, very murky. Believe me, don't get me wrong, because there are definitely, definitely social activism. Uh, I, I, there are things that we should fight for. Right, one hundred percent. When people get manipulated, and that's what I talk about when we go back to three beers. Trust me. Yeah, don't think that. And you get enough people that are only getting one beer instead of three. That's when that's yeah. when revolts start to happen. And sure. then the whole system starts all over again, and shit just fucking backtracks. And then we revolt the other way. Commun- you know, yeah, conservative, liberal. It's the way the, the ebb, ebb and flow, flow. Of, of of life. But the goal is like I don't I don't give a shit about that anymore. I don't fucking post. You're getting old, man. I'm getting old. I don't Your care. Balls got gray hair on. Waste my fucking, time yeah. fighting with some asshole on you Facebook over. Yeah, like that shit. You want to get home, take a fucking yeah, nap, eat a good dinner, and yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, well, it's funny. I, I one more point on that, yeah. and then move on to what I kind of wanted to, yeah. to end on. I was talking to uh, a girl by the name of Marina Upshaw Frazier. She's on that uh, Netflix show, Selling Tampa. That, yeah. that's been on, and yeah, uh, I haven't watched it yet. Well. I was t- asking her it's and on I, my list. I said, you know, it's a it's a it's a real estate company firm, whichever you want to call it, women of color. And I said, did you find that there was a loyalty of clientele with people of color coming to you? And she said, you know, the thing is, is we just haven't a- as a culture experienced the generational wealth that white folks have so there's just not a lot of there's not as many black people looking for luxury right. properties we could, we could go into well that. sure but i i i you know it, it makes so much sense but it it didn't even occur to me in asking the question and when she's i mean she was very open about it and you know not critical of it but she's just like there is a very large portion of african americans in america that are still living in a plantation mentality yeah and, that, and I, I don't mean that as nasty and negative as it might have sound, but they have never gotten to the point to be educated because their grandparents were never educated and they got used to the listless idea of never being able to pull themselves out of poverty because they didn't have the opportunity to do it. And now maybe they have more opportunities, but they don't have the mental wherewithal because there's never been any positive reinforcement to make that. Now we could go down a huge, huge rabbit hole and explain why, but there's that's 100% factual. Yeah. Well, I mean, and going back to the 13th and how this country has tr- tr- treated minorities and things that it's done, I, you know, it is a very circular subject matter that yeah. truly we could spend a lot of time on. Where, where I wanted to kind sure. of land is uh, we've mentioned several times before the show and during the show getting older. And so getting older in the world of jujitsu, I wanted to kind of ask you, sure. like, how you keep it interesting oh. to you? How do you keep it challenging? How do you get up every morning, put on your gi, go to the mats and like, <laughs> you know, I, I it, it, cause the, there could be a tendency to get bored with stuff. And how do you, how do you stave off boredom? Well, 
first of all, there's a few answers to that. First of all, just my physical body. Like I have done so many different things now. I, I'm eating not quite vegan, but pretty damn close to it. I eat tons of organic vegetables. I eat organic fruits all day long. I've cut out quite a bit of meat. Um, you know, my whole diet has changed dramatically. I'm working with a new chef, Chef Deb. If you listen, I love you. You're amazing. By the way, I'm just real quick. I'm sure. glad that you grew the beard back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess it comes and goes. You, I go through phases. The, the, be- the beard is where it's at. Yeah, I go All right, keep fa- going. I go, keep I go going. Through phases. Um, and then you know, I'm working on my flexibility, mobility. Charlie Trez, if you're listening, he's amazing. My flexibility coach. Uh, all of these things I do to upkeep it. I fucking do acupuncture every week. All these things to keep my body in shape because I got to get ten more years out of this old ass body. But in terms of uh, of how do I keep it interesting? And it's funny that, you know, for a time there was this, I wanted to compete all the time. And I had to be competing. It was like a, it was a freaking, my brain would never shut down about that. It was almost a, like a compulsion. So I would have to be up to date on the latest jujitsu yeah. philosophies and details and techniques just because I had to have that in my pocket to be able to compete with those right. guys. Um, I don't compete as much anymore. I don't think shit about I don't, I don't really care. Yeah. Um, but now I have students and now I have people that trust me and love me. So I have to be prepared to learn these things and make them continue. So, so the coach or the teacher. Yeah. yeah. And so I guess the point I try to make about it is, is that now that I own my own gym and I have students training with me, it's become less about me and more about those people that have put their trust in me to be champions or to learn jujitsu, to, to be able to, to stay focused at it. You know? Yeah. And then again, you know, it's fun. It's entertaining. Like jujitsu, I spent such a large portion of my life delving into jujitsu. I mean, but literally, like, I always say this to people that my clients come taking private lessons with me or people that come take class with me and stuff like that. Like, you know, you you guys are completely enamored with jujitsu and you guys are only doing it, you know, three, four hours a week. Right. Like, I literally, when you guys go to work, like I'm teaching private lessons yeah. and I'm writing articles about jujitsu. I'm watching tape. I'm watching film, I'm teaching classes. Like it's my full time job. It's yeah. my life. Like I would debate that I have a doctoral, you know, I don't PhD think you would need jiu-jitsu. to debate it. Yeah. I think it's, I think you, but yeah. because of that, yeah. I can constantly stay fresh and I love the art. I love delving deep into it and going after new things because yeah, you get bored doing the same shit over time, but hey, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to learn a Baron Bolo yeah. because why not? Yeah. Because I'm bored. Well, and now with the school, you're you're going to have to do, you know, business jujitsu. You're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to market a little that's bit. Part, you're yeah, going to have to do the books. You're going to have, have to. I have a good team that works with Yeah. This. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry it was a short one, yeah, uh, good, but I, I think we, we got into it a little bit. We got yeah. some got some good stuff I'm, out. I'm a less funny Ari Lang, I guess. No, <laughs> your, your nose is not nearly as mushed as his oh, nose is. Um, so before you go, give me give me the the deets on the school. Where is it at? Where can sure. people find it? Yeah, um, I am on. So it's Gracie High, Trinity. Gracie the- Trinity, and you go not Gracie Bar Trinity. Gracie Trinity. You okay. can go online, check me out. I'm on um, GracieTrinity.com. I'm on Gun Highway, about half a mile south of 54 in the 360 Sports Complex. Uh, I've been open now for about seven months. I got about 50, 60 students. Website. Now. GracieTrinity.com. Okay. Yeah. Facebook page? Uh, yeah, Gracie Trinity. All right. Instagram, right. Coach right. Kevin BJJ. Um, 
uh, pr- promotion code uh, barely legal, barely and, legal. And I'll throw ten bucks at, like at Kevin for anybody. I, I just want Josh's money. Anybody <laughs> uses the barely legal code when they come in, I, just be I, careful because they they may not know what you're asking them. I got, I got to get my three beers, guys. Yeah, so that's keep, right. Keep me going. Thank you so much for coming in. It's always a pleasure seeing you. Yeah, I'm glad you're doing well and thriving. And uh, hopefully, I'll get some privates in with you again at some point. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, I take it, it easy. Yeah, man.